Welcome to Health Law Talk, presented by Shahardi Sherman Williams. Health law broken down through expert discussion, real client issues, and real life experiences. Breaking barriers to understanding complex healthcare issues is our job. All right. Welcome again, everyone, to another edition of Shahardi Sherman Williams Health Law Talk. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Well, really, good afternoon, really. I mean, I think we're in the afternoon, but I don't know. Whenever, whenever you're listening to this, it's happy. We're happy to hear from you. And, and again, uh, in the studio today, Conrad Meyer, Rory Bellina, and Chris Martin. Uh, on another edition, I guess another topic that I've seen, it seems to continue to continue to wrap its arms around us, uh, COVID vaccine mandates and the various... Uh, uh, I guess regulatory guidance that we're getting, um, y- you know, w- with the vaccine mandates, along with updates, because it's it's a fast moving target. So, so Chris, uh, I know that you have, you know, before the show started, you were talking about the latest CMS updates on some of the cases. So, uh, take it away. What, what's going on? Sure. Um, so, remember, we have three vaccine m- rules or mandates. We have the OSHA mandate, we have the CMS mandate, and we have the federal worker, federal contractor mandate. Federal judges and law clerks have been busy the last two weeks. Um, with respect to the CMS uh, rule, which applies to health care workers, um, initially the a federal court in Florida refused to halt the implementation of the vaccine. That was on November the 20th. So people were thinking, well, Maybe we are going to have to comply with this after all. Right. Um, but then a Eastern District Court in Missouri uh, granted a preliminary injunction. And then just this week, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, the federal judge in Monroe, Louisiana, um, enjoined the implementation or halted the implementation of the CMS vaccine nationwide. So, so for our listeners, because I mean, there's so many different mandates out right now. Uh, what, what when we're talking about the CMS mandate, who does that affect? So that's anybody that uh, does business or has a has is a participation agreement with CMS. So hospitals, ambulatory surgery centers, any type of of entity like that. So it's not just providers, though. It's also contractors and things like that is that correct well the cms one is a condition condition of participation got it okay okay and and it's halted right now and Um, and also the osha one has been halted as well yeah and there's been guidance that's come out from osha since our last podcast i believe where osha them said themselves said that they weren't gonna force any implementation of it pending uh Pending these cases, is that correct? That's right. That's but that right. still hasn't stopped employers with the OSHA mandate from moving forward. Uh, I mean, I think the you know from what we're seeing across the country, we're seeing employers just you know moving forward regardless of the fact that the OSHA mandate has been stayed. Correct. So, so we have two a stay in the OSHA level on that mandate. Now we have a stay on the CMS mandate. What's left? Well, today's topic, topic number three, or in the, the third part in the series, which is the, the federal contractor vaccine mandate, which as of today's date, I believe just two days ago, right, Chris? It's been, this one has been stayed as well in some states. It has. And uh, the federal judge in Kentucky uh, stayed, stayed the, um, the mandate, um, and it applies to Kentucky, Ohio, and Tennessee. So for Louisiana, not yet. We expect it to probably come here, but I think it's I think it's a good time to, to jump into this one. You know, we started with OSHA, 
Then we went to CMS. Now we're on to federal contractors. So well, I want all listeners to understand something, though, because when, for example, you see on the news, like what Chris was just saying in Missouri, right, where the federal mandate has been stayed, that federal court that has stayed the order, it only applies the stay, only applies in that district or that court of appeal district where that, that Missouri federal court lies. Is that, is that correct, or, or does it apply nationwide? Well, it depends. Um, the Missouri case, it, it was brought on behalf of like 10 or 12 states. Okay. So it, and it was, it was interesting because the, the, the argument there was it was mostly rural states like mm-hmm. Wyoming, South Dakota, North Dakota. And the argument was we're, we're in a rural area. We already have enough t- uh, trouble hiring healthcare workers. Right. If we have this mandatory vaccine, we're going to have a critical shortage of healthcare workers. Is that what you really want? You know, and and so it well, that was one of the arguments that was compelling for the judge in Missouri. So the stay though applies to those twelve states, and then the and then in Louisiana, the, right. the federal judge in Monroe had the discretion to just limit it to Louisiana, but he he ordered it to be nationwide. So it's nationwide right now. Yes. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. And, and and we and these have not gone up. This is all at the district court level at this point. Right, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals is going to be busy. Federal Sixth Circuit in Ohio. Why is that? Because that's where I think the CMS vaccine is going to get appealed to that case, and also the OSHA case to the Sixth Circuit. Yeah. Now that for the for our listeners who didn't hear before, was that the random allotment for both cases? Yeah, I know it was the random allotment for OSHA. I'm not sure. I think CMS, it's just because... Um, similar facts, similar case? Well, it, Missouri is in the 6th District. I see, I uh, see. 6th Circuit. And coincidentally, the 6th Circuit, we were talking a little bit off the air, but the 6th Circuit's the one that's also hearing the multi-district litigation for the opioid cases. So oh. it's a it's a very busy circuit right now. I can imagine. I mean, I, you don't know. I mean, I, you would imagine that they would maybe consider this an en banc type of hearing where every single appellate judge is going to sit and make a decision on this because of the importance of this uh, of this challenge, if you will, you mm-hmm. know, versus just having a three panel uh, a three panel judge. Uh, you know, I don't know. We, we don't know where it's going to go, but just curious. Just curious where this is. Very interesting situation from a procedural standpoint. Uh, obviously, a heavily watched. Uh, mandate and a challenge from just a substantive standpoint, but that's still not stopping employers or, or, or you know, and, or uh, contractors. I'm assuming. I think people are just moving forward regardless. And I think there's a lot of confusion right now. You know, people hear in the news about these yeah. these mandates, and then they hear that it's being challenged in different states. And I mean, it, it's confusing to a layperson. I know I get the question a lot. What does it mean for Louisiana? Or what does it mean for the state that I'm in? I think it's really confusing because you're hearing. Fifth Circuit, Sixth Circuit, different areas, different states, and people just aren't sure what to do. And and I think employers are, are concerned as well because, you know, th- th- they're being told they have to follow these procedures and these mandates, and they want to be prepared if and when a court, you know, reverses a lot of these. So I think I think there's just a lot of confusion going on, and I think a lot of it, you know, uh, different media outlets will, will kind of persuade things different ways. You know, some media outlets will say, no, 
go ahead and get your policies in place, and then some will say the opposite of no, get let it get through the court. So it, it is con- it's very confusing to the consumer. Um, I had a conversation yesterday with someone, and I had to break down and you know show them that there's there's three of these, so you could fall into one, two, or three. And this one's been stayed, and this one's been stayed. This one hasn't been stayed, but it will be stayed. I mean, it's, it, it, it's very it's very confusing right now. But do we really trust our media outlets to give us accurate information? I mean, do, I mean, <laughs> does anyone really think that we're going to get some some sort of uh, 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 validation of accuracy based on you know past uh, tendencies? Who knows? I don't know. But so. <laughs> Fair point, fair point. That's a fair point. That'll be an off-the-air conversation, maybe. <laughs> um, but, but I think it's important to, you know, round out this series over the over the, the three right. vaccination mandates. Sure. You know, what does this one cover? We, we, we Our goal when we started this series was let's do it in what we think is the order of priority. We thought OSHA would probably affect the most people, and then CMS, and now these federal contractors, which is still a big, big chunk of the United States population. It um, is. But it, I know you and I were talking in Conrad, I gave you the, um, we were talking about the definition kind of of what's a covered contractor. I thought it was really interesting how they defined it because it, 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 even in their own definition, it's kind of unclear right. how far it could go. I mean, can you, can you yeah. elaborate on that? Sure. So, so when we looked at the guidance and we looked at the regulatory guidance to define a covered contractor as a prime contractor and any of the uh, subcontractors at any tier who's a party to the covered contract. So, when you look at the t- that 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 subcontractor tier level, how far down does it go? And, and, and our example before was let's say a federal contractor that makes computers, okay? right? So right. you've got the computer manufacturer as a federal contractor. This there this applies to them, right? Yes. yes. What about the company that makes a chip that goes inside the computer a sub? Well, I based on what I'm reading, it looks like it does. Okay. But what about the contractor that cleans the chip manufacturer's building at night? You see, I don't know. That's the problem. It, it, there's nothing that says that, for example, the party that cleans the building to make the chips to go into the computer to go to the federal government is going to have to comply with the, with this uh, with this rule. Right. I just I just don't know. And yeah, I think the, it's a little the, unbelievable. I think I think in your example, Rory, the the cleaning crew of the main prime contractor would be covered. Okay. That's a good question about the subs. Uh, yeah, how far down does this uh, list right. go? Because the, the computer example was just easy because when you're making a computer, there's parts from everywhere. And, and well, it, well, let's, it's let's, just take, a, let's take it even further than that. So let's just go to the raw materials that make the chip. And what if they're made in another country? I mean, all the raw materials. Say, say the raw materials for the semiconductors, which are obtained in, in, um, in China or who, who knows, or some other country. Are they subject to this? I can't imagine. I mean, how would you enforce that? Yeah, I think this is just in the United States. I would agree with that. Yeah. But but do you see that since yeah. there's no guidance and the definition is so vague, and and obviously, I mean, do, do any of you think that was you know a mistake? I mean, no, that was the that was purposeful, right? To make it as broad think, and inclusive as possible. Correct. I think the intent is that they right. want it to flow down as far possible to. Your sixth or seventh or eighth sub sub sure. sub all the way down to try to capture as many people as they can, you know, to get vaccinated. Right. And we were talking about how this one, um, you know, you know how this one compares. It's got some very close similarities to the OSHA mandate. Some very close similarities to the the CMS mandate. So, Chris, I know we were talking before. You know, how does this one compare to? 
the other mandates as far as you know mandatory vaccine testing are you allowed to test out of it like you are with osha or is it like or is it more like cms where it's either vaccinate or 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 not yeah this this um uh, the federal contractor mandate, first of all, it says that all covered contractor employee employees must be fully vaccinated by December the 8th or whenever they start working for the contractor, whichever date is later. Um, so, th- so the requirement is you have to be vaccinated or if you're not vaccinated, then you have to wear a mask. Okay. So there's uh, no testing for this one. There's no like testing. Like in OSHA. Right. Okay. So so the math, I was kind of uh, um, surprised at the uh, broadness of the masking requirement, both indoors for any unvaccinated individuals and masking indoors of vaccinated individuals where there's a high concentration of people. So even when you're vaccinated, you may still have to wear a mask. But wait, wait, the, the vagueness, the, when there's a high concentration of people, is there is there some sort of a definition as what that means? There is, and, and they, they go into how that's, how that's defined, and I had that in my notes because I, I really wanted to bring that up because I thought I was very interested. One requirement under... This policy is that covered contractors have to designate a person to coordinate the implementation, and they must check the CDC COVID-19 data tracker view website at least weekly to determine how their area is. And if their area is in an area of high transmission, then the masking procedures that Chris mentioned go in place. If it drops to low, then they change their procedures, and it's less stringent for masking. But if it goes back up to high the next week, then they're back up to wearing the mask. So the, from an administrative that's burden. A, that's a nightmare. They're going to have to literally check this. It's like it's a dashboard. But what's a high concentrate? I mean, was it a high? I mean, and when see, I think the one what Chris was saying. It was I mean, a community transmission. I, no, I mean, but 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 yeah. in terms of employees per area. So in other words, is that is that what we're talking about? We're talking in other words, if I have, for example, a room with twenty employees sitting in cubicles. Is that considered a high concentration area, or are we talking about high concentration of infected individuals in the in the parish or or county? The the, the second one, the latter. Okay, community. So that would, So there's yeah. no definition about. Okay, I see what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, they they define it as right. as community transmission. That's what they're looking at. So if you're in an area of high or substantial community transmission, fully vaccinated people must wear a mask in indoor settings, except for limited exceptions in guidance. And if you're in a lower, moderate community transmission, right. you don't need to. But if that's going to change on a weekly basis. Your county or parish, depending on where you are, can go up or down, obviously, so every week. So you're supposed week. to monitor this on a weekly basis? You have to check this. So you have to check the box. You have to check this national registry weekly. And let's say we're in Jefferson Parish. Jefferson Parish right now is low. Uh, or moderate in transmission, so we would not have to wear masks indoor if we were federal contractors. But if there's a huge spike in cases, someone has to someone would have to check it next week, this dashboard, and say, okay, masks are back on. And then the following week, they might come back off. It. it so it, how, how do you so, how do you both feel about that? I'm just curious. Well, what what's amazing is how this these levels change so much. Right. I mean, Governor Edwards was on the radio this morning three months ago. We hit a peak. We had 3,000 people in the hospital with COVID three, right. three months ago. We have 271 today. people today. today. I mean, 
that's a huge swing in just three less months. than three months. Right. I just, I mean, do y'all find this? Y'all find this is going to be challenging for companies or federal contractors to try to monitor and comply with? I think like the other two, I think it's going to be very administrative heavy, and I think it's going to be a burden on on administrators too have to monitor this, have to find out who's vaccinated, have to find out. We've talked in our previous episodes, do you right. give your vaccinated employees a, a, a special badge or a sticker? So you, But but even then, they might have to wear a mask. Um, it, it, handling that aspect, I think, is going to be the hard part. And especially with federal contractors, we're typically talking about a lot of um, like development and warehouses where you might have hundreds, thousands, shift workers, employees. I mean, it could be... federal contractors range you know a lot of regular private companies are federal contractors it it could it could really become an issue if you've got a big company with a lot of shift employees keeping track of all this so what are the penalties here guys i mean that's this i mean that's when i look at non-compliance or say you miss a week or you're you know one of your employees just one doesn't uh, get vaccinated i mean what you know do we even know yeah, I, I mean, is that has that even been discussed? There's not a whole lot out there right now on the penalties. Honestly, you know that, that's one thing that 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 Chris, you lose, do you lose your contract? Yeah, well, so they have a they the under this executive order they issued some you know advisories after it came out, and they talked about a possibility of losing the contract. That was that was the first example. So given. let's let's pass it first and let's see what happens later. And, and I think yes, I think let's let's get it out there. And the threat is that you would lose your contract, or mm-hmm. if there's non-compliance, then you would have to terminate. Let's say it's your sub, have to terminate your sub. That's what was referenced. Um, it's not as strict where you know we talked about in OSHA they had exact dollar amount of how much they were going to fine um, employers. Well, well, let me interrupt you real quick right there. So if that's the case, terminate a sub, or you're going to lose your contract. That means that the agency that you have the contract with becomes the enforcer. Is that correct? Or is there some other overarching agency like the DOJ or the OIG? Or is it just, say, for example, my contract is with the Department of Agriculture. You know, are they the ones that are going to be the ones checking to make sure that my team is vaccinated? And are they the ones that are going to be enforcing noncompliance? It falls under compliance of your of your contract. Meaning, meaning you, you know, whoever your contract so the party, is with, right? The agency that your party's with, correct? Then you would fall out of compliance with your actual agreement. Interesting. Okay. So, just to kind of let's just kind of summarize real quick. Remember that this is the federal contractor uh, vaccine mandate. You have to do like the others. You have to develop policies regarding vaccination, masking, physical distancing. You have to implement those uh, administrative protocols. You have to verify your employee's vaccination status. So you can't just say, Rory, are you vaccinated? And Rory says, yes. No, there has to be actual proof of vaccination. You have to monitor these these um, transmission levels every week. And, and um, this, what I read was OSHA is actually going to help enforce this. Uh, oh wow! And okay. you mentioned right. you mentioned how short staffed OSHA was in one of our previous episodes. So yeah. this is going to be added on to their responsibilities. Yeah, and so you know it's a it's a federal contractor. So right. for contracts awarded after November the fourteenth, twenty twenty one, the vaccine mandate is required to be 
in the contracts. There has to be language in the contracts. Like compliance, compliance, like in yeah. other words, like we do a HIPAA compliance, it's right. got to be compliance with the vaccine mandate. And, and right. it has to apply to all those downstream subs. And, and another thing that was brought up in, in this guidance for the, the federal workers, when I, I keep going back to my factory example in my head, is this one brings back the six feet of distance. This one brings up that if it's practical, if you're not fully vaccinated, that they recommend this six feet of distance at all times, office, conference rooms, workspaces. I mean, talking about issues in a factory or something like that, I mean, it it, it could be a big burden. It could be a very big burden. You think? I mean, it looks to me, it looks like it's a nightmare. And, uh, and, and I guess I just, I don't know. I see that you have to be finished or complied, you know, comply, like you said, Chris, at January 18th. That's fully compliant. So you're going to need to get your, if you're a two-shot, right, you're going to have to get it literally right before what, January fourth, uh, or or even if you, or if you get the Moderna, you have to get it like in December for a three week wait. So I mean, you're going to have to really, uh, I mean, comply with this very quickly. We don't have a lot of time. Well, and and the other thing is, I think our listeners, for those that you know are affected by these vaccine mandates, don't be lulled into a false sense of security right now because they're halted. Because the Sixth Circuit or a federal court of appeals could change that, could reverse that in a day. True. And we could be right back on the strict timetable. So you want to use this time to get prepared. If you don't need it, you don't need it. But you don't want to get caught short where if a court of appeals or the Supreme Court ends up enforcing these these vaccines and you've got days to comply and you haven't well, done anything. Well, I guess, I mean, have the protocols in place. Right. I mean, if, if you're on the have edge. A policy. Right. If you're on the edge and you don't want to do it and you say, oh, wow, the Sixth Circuit, for example, or, or the Western District has issued a stay, I'm just going to wait and, and see how that plays out. But uh, what you're saying is at least have the stuff ready, have the protocols and policies ready, uh, some compliance ready so that, in, in effect, Whatever falls out, the sequela from the appellate court, uh, you might want to have it ready to go. Right. And and similar, I didn't want to miss this point. Similar to our other ones, this one does have the medical and religious exemptions, which you know, you know another another thing that needs to be handled properly. Um, if you have a valid medical exemption against either the vaccine or the mask or religious, um, that's in here as well, where it's allowed making accommodations so there's no ADA issues. Right. But, um, that's something else that, you know, a company might not have dealt with before. And now they're going to have to have, you know, that, that the person checking the vaccinations, making sure people are wearing their masks, checking that dashboard weekly and dealing with these accommodations, putting into place procedures uh, to, to handle those requests. I mean, you and I were on the phone yesterday with a fairly large, you know, several hundred employee client and, and the, well-intentioned HR director knows about Americans with Disabilities Act, but she hadn't ever had to really enforce it or, or follow it. So we're going to, you know, set out a memo for her. These are the steps you need to take in handling those exemptions. Yep. So like that's I said, good, I mean, that's it, good guidance though, because you need to have that there. Any company needs to have that, even from your your small company to your large company, because if you don't, if you don't have a process, right, to handle ADA on the accommodation or the religious exemptions, um, you're really going to fall into a trap. When, yep, absolutely. And, and I think we all, you know, all three of us in the room see the intent yeah. of these three vaccine mandates. And, and the intent is to get more people vaccinated. Um, and we've talked about how they've been implemented, the pros and cons. 
the barriers and, and the hurdles and, and how they've been stayed in, in the courts. So I think the, you know, the big takeaway from all this, you know, whether you fully intend to comply or you're going to dig your heels in and not comply and, and try to find a, a way out of it is that you need to have some policies and procedures in place. I personally don't think this is going away. I think that, I think the courts may rein some of this back, but I do think that, maybe when this dies down and it might take a couple of years for it to get worked out i think we're going to see more and more integration of you know these vaccinations being required for certain things it might not be you know right now that they're trying to get it implemented as fast as possible i think in due time we're, we're eventually going to have to deal with this at two words be prepared Yes, be prepared. And that's it, be prepared. Have policies in place. The, the best thing is to have a good policy in place because that's what all three of these have in common is that they want a designated person, a very stringent written policy. They, they want you to, to show that, that you're trying to comply. And if you don't have anything and, and you get inspected or someone files a, a, you know, a claim against you, that's when you're going to get in trouble when you just turned a blind eye to that's it. a good point though i mean i mean regardless of your personal feelings right whether whether whatever side of the fence you're on you hate it you don't want it absolutely not government can't tell me what to do versus absolutely i want it everybody should get it my neighbor whoever uh everybody i work with should have it it doesn't matter because if it's the laws regulatory issues they're coming down from various standpoints cms osha wherever uh be prepared uh especially if you're the employer what do y'all think? All right, good. Very good. I think so. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for another episode here at Health Law Talk. Uh, we had Rory, Conrad, and Chris in the house, so uh, thank you very much for joining. We hope that you continue to listen to us, and remember, leave any comments you have about maybe topics you want to hear or comments about the show, uh, and we'll absolutely get back to you. So thank you very much, and until next time, have a good day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Health Law Talk presented by Shahardi Sherman Williams. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel. Make sure to give us that five-star rating and share with your friends. Shahardi Sherman Williams is providing this podcast as a public service. This podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal advice, nor does this podcast establish an attorney-client relationship. Reference to any specific product or entity does not count as an endorsement or recommendation by Shahardi Sherman Williams. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own, and their appearance does not imply an endorsement of them or their entity that they represent. Remember, please consult an attorney for your specific legal issues.